This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. You know, I see you're at Oracle Park. We, Alex and I were just in Pittsburgh at PNC Park, and there's a lot of nice local breweries there, Southern Tier, Hitchhiker, Penn Brewing. Do you have a favorite place in Pittsburgh? I like some Dancing Gnome. Did you check out Dancing Gnome? I did not. No, I was just looking, checking out the places that were in the bars that we frequented while we were there. But um, if you're recommending it, I will make sure I go back the next time I'm there. I hear it's a beautiful park. Uh, that ballpark, I, I'm biased because I grew up there. It's gorgeous. It's, it, it could be the best ballpark, but I'm biased because I, I grew up <laughs> there. So. Hey, you know, we were, we were just talking about uh, Ryan Noda and what, what he's done for the A's so far this year. And I, I know he's Townie's guy, so I apologize if, uh, if, he's already, if he's already broached the subject with you now. But, but leading the American League in, in on-base percentage now, he's got 40, was it, 42, 42 walks. He uh, really seems to be kind of like an all-around player. Joey, uh, rather Cody, Cody brought up the, the Joey Votto comp, Joey Votto light perhaps uh, just a couple of minutes ago. What's been your uh, your take on on uh, on the A's first baseman? I love him. I, I love the the eye. Uh, you know, guys with with elite plate discipline are always guys that I really enjoy. Um, you know, it may not always end up being a great batting average because he does have some swing and miss in his game. But um, you know, this is the uh, the kind of guy that I feel like they're always looking for. You know, they're always looking to pick up. They've tried it with like Kyla Kailui, and like you know, there's been other guys. <laughs> that have come through that have elite discipline, but don't add that power aspect. And I think Noda uh, is one of those hits where, you know, he is a guy that combines the discipline with the power. He's going to strike out some, but he's going to be uh, a useful part for this team as it gets better. If, if you're riding the lineup, you know, where are you putting him? I'm putting him like two, I think. I feel like you got to take advantage of that on base percentage. And then, you know, if he's going to hit a homer, you'd rather Ruiz. I mean, you'd rather Ruiz is on base for that. So uh, two or three. I mean, he, that's the kind of uh, bat that he's got. That's a good point. I, I didn't think about having somebody on base for a guy that's got that kind of juice, that, that kind of uh, that kind of I mean, you put him at the top of the lineup, right? Or in one of those two spots. It's, it's not just his production, but the amount of pitch it, pitches that he's seeing uh, per at bat is going to benefit the rest of the lineup. We were talking on uh, my show, the, uh, the 3-0 show over at The Athletic, about, um, you know, how teams are built. And uh, teams, you can build teams in all sorts of different ways, through the draft, through free agency, through trades. And we know this about the A's. They're almost always built through trades. So right now, they're the, in terms of the number of people on their roster, they are tied with the Brewers and Rays as 
you know, having 15 guys that they acquired through trade. So wow. um, that's that's year in and year out, though, right? That's the A's. They, they trade, they trade, they trade. And, you know, the other aspect that they do is, is they're pretty good at waivers. And you, even Farhan comes over to this side and he works for the Giants and he's uh, still a waiver wire king. So, you know, uh, those are the two aspects that the A's are still kind of a, a, a team that's out in front. I know they don't win every single trade. Obviously, there are trades that if you make as many trades as they do, there's trades you lose. But, you know, they are good at identifying talent on other people's teams, uh, especially talent that's close to the big leagues that maybe scouts don't love, uh, but that their numbers love. And, you know, that's how I see, you know, Ruiz is, actually fits that bill perfectly. And, you know, and other guys that they've come and, and, and gotten in trades have, have been very similar. Hey, as a numbers guy, you know, the, the, the average exit velocity, we were just in Miami, obviously, getting a chance to see Luis Arise. And, you know, Ruiz and Arise kind of have that, that one thing in common, right? The average exit velocity isn't ideal. What do you make of the season that Luis Arise is having right now? Is it kind of bucking any trends against, you know, what the numbers may say? Or I mean, what's your take on it? It's, he's been incredible. Yeah, it is interesting. There's nothing harder to project when it comes to numbers than the single. The single is the hardest thing to project. You can you can look at a guy's exit velocity, his barrel rates. You can say, oh, doubles, homers, I got this. But the single is chaos. If you think about balls bouncing around, hitting bags, <laughs> you know, bouncing off gloves, you know, that's those are singles, and you can't project those. And so arise, you know, what you can project is the guy makes a ton of contact every year. Yeah. And I and I wonder if uh, Ruiz, you know, sometimes gets stuck in between. He, he's been a lot of different players over the course of his career. Uh, he came in with a guy that was like, had good power. And, you know, then he tried to make more contact. He tried to have more plate discipline. And, you know, uh, sometimes I wonder <clears throat> if he won't benefit from watching Arise a little bit. Because I think the best way that Ruiz can take advantage of his skill set is probably to make more contact and put more balls in play. Because we've seen him go, you know, score from first on a single and stuff like that. So, you mm -hmm. know, he's that that type of velo. He needs to just maximize the number of balls in play. And that's a rise's, uh, that's a rise's genius. It's, you know, right now all those balls are finding grass. That may not happen all year. It may slow down. He has like a 400 BABIP. You know, there's very few people who've had a 400 batting average on balls in play for a whole season. But he does have like the lowest strikeout rate in baseball. So he's just putting a lot of lottery tickets out there. So, you know, if you can't predict the single, why don't you just put a lot of lottery tickets out there and you're going to start winning, you know? So I, that's what I would say for Ruiz is, is to focus on making contact uh, maybe above all else and, and see how that takes his game. Now, you know, tonight the A's are using the opener and this is now the, I forget how many times they've used it. Austin Pruitt's done it a few times. Fuji's done it. Now we're seeing Sam Maul do it. Do you think the openers are still an effective strategy? I was always a fan of it, still am a fan of it. But as someone as a numbers guy like you, do you still think it's an effective strategy in 2023? Uh, who's who's the bulk guy? Uh, Luis Medina. So it's two righties in a row, huh? Uh, lefty then a righty. Lefty and a righty. Oh, you're doing a lefty. Mall. Okay. Yeah, Mall's Sam Mall. Yeah, yeah. Mall's yeah, okay. opening, yeah. I like it that way because what you can do is, first of all, you're giving them two different looks right off the bat. So, you know, one thing that, that we've seen in the numbers is that baseball players get better against pitchers the more they see them. And that's the third time through the order thing. But it also means, let's say you had two guys up there, two righties in a row that both throw hard, both throw fastball slider. 
you know, in some ways, you're not really maximizing the, the benefit of the opener. But you throw a lefty out there and then a righty or a soft tosser and then a velo guy or a velo guy and a soft tosser, what you're doing is you're putting the hitters on their back of their heels. And they, they're just, they, you know, they're like, oh, man, I'm seeing a reliever in the first. You know, like, and now I'm going to see another reliever, like a quote-unquote reliever in the second. I'm seeing a new arm in the second with new shapes. And then the other thing that it does is, you're taking a reliever that you think is pretty good, that you might use in a win, right? And you're taking them and you're using them against the middle of the order. And then you're taking a pitcher who you kind of want to coax through some innings, right? And you're giving them a real soft landing. What you're saying is, hey, why don't you start the game with the five hitter? You know, why don't you start the game with the five hitter, get on a roll, you know, get through some innings, uh, and then we'll see what happens in the fourth and fifth and sixth. And it's the best way to, if you have a pitcher you think can only get through the lineup twice, it's the best way to do it. You start with an opener. That that gets through the top of the lineup once. The next guy gets through the lineup two and a half times. And then pieces back out again when one through four comes back up. And then you can bring in, if you're winning, you bring in Velo, you bring in a different arm, you bring in a different look. Uh, so it's a, basically a bullpen game, but it's um, it's with a bulk guy in the middle. You know, we were uh, we were discussing your, your latest piece on The Athletic. You know, pitching injuries, increased strikeouts, obviously – hitters are chasing slugging percentage, which means more balls in the air. I thought, you know, the perspective about the uh, guys talking about their uppercuts uh, and tr actually trying to cut down on uppercut swings, right? So it doesn't become too exaggerated, but it kind of seems like all of those things are intertwined, right? And obviously, uh, you know, with strikeouts, you're going to get more injuries because guys are chasing velo, uh, but also, you know, uh, hitters chasing slugging percentage will lead to more strike. Can you elaborate on that piece and exactly how all that, all those different things are, are connected? Yeah. One of the things that was interesting to me is I think there's um, an idea that an uppercut swing is, is rampant throughout baseball. And, and so, you know, I was talking to players in, and any player that has like, you know, a 45, 50% fly ball rate, they usually have an uppercut. But there's not that many of them in baseball. And so I went out to start the beginning of the story started last year, you know, hmm. and I thought I'd talk to Kyle Schwarber and I thought I'd talk to Lamont Wade. and I thought I'd talk to Christian Walker. And every time I talked to a guy who had a 50 percent fly ball rate or who had an uppercut swing, they told me, yeah, I don't like it when it gets up there. I want to flatten it out because I can't hit the high fastball. And in order to be in the league today, you need to hit the high fastball, fastball. There's a local story angle to this. J.J. Blade had a hole up in his swing. He has a big kind of loopy swing. He has that Cody Bellinger kind mm. of swing, you know. And, um, you know, what he worked on in the minors, he said, was just finding a way to put wood on the ball up in the zone. Sometimes it doesn't look good. I honestly, you know, sometimes his, his, his kind of B swing or his high fastball swing, you know, it, it produces a ground ball. It doesn't look great. But you know what? It puts a ball in play. And if he can string together some singles, the pitcher feels like maybe I need to go down there and try to go down in the zone again. And then he can hit homers. So it's, it's all a sort of cat and mouse game. But when I talked to players that, that had, uh, you know, uppercuts and they said they didn't really like it, I was like, a light bulb went out. I don't think it's an uppercut swing that's killing baseball. You know, what it is instead is power lives out in front of the plate and pitchers are throwing 94. This is the first year in the history of baseball that pitchers are averaging over 94 in the fastball. So you combine the, you know, velo going up and up and up and hitters realizing that power lives out in front of the plate and you got, you got a bit of a problem there. So that's, I think that's the source of, uh, of the issue really more than like an uppercut swing. It's, it's, 
you know, maybe it's semantics, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's different. It's not like everybody's out there golfing. You know, that's not exactly what's happening in baseball. Your colleague Andy McCullough did a piece on Jacob DeGrom, and he kind of compared the career of DeGrom versus uh, Tim Lincecum. And I thought it was interesting because I went back and looked up their first five years, and they're very similar. Lincecum made more starts, but he also debuted when he was much younger. DeGrom debuted at 26, Lincecum at 23. But it was interesting because Lincecum won two Cy Youngs, DeGrom won the one, then he won a second in his sixth year. Do you think that's a fair comparison between those two guys? I know Lincecum kind of just – I don't know if it was dead arm, but he kind of just fell off where DeGrom's been getting hurt. Do you think DeGrom has any chance to regain uh, getting back to where he was after the Tommy John surgery he's going to have? It's a it's a short list of pitchers who've had Tommy John twice um, and come back. And so, you know, the, the, the stakes are higher. The risk is higher. Uh, he may not come back. Uh, also, will he come back throwing 99 with a 94 mile an hour slider? These are these are the kind of questions that uh, you know his camp is undergoing right now, and I, you know I feel really badly for him. Um, but you know, in both cases, there's an aspect of the way they pitched that may have led to this uh, shortness of career. Um, if you look at uh, direct stress on the elbow, and we can do this now, we can put um, we can put elbow like modus sleeves on people, and we can directly measure the stress on the elbow. Uh, if you do that, uh, two things emerge. One, velo is the biggest stress on elbow. So you got a guy who's going from, uh, you know, sitting 95 to sitting 99 when he turned 30. You know, it's like, why? What, this is everybody else's velo goes down and DeGrom keeps going up. That was weird. Uh, the other thing that shows up is that the closer you pitch to your personal maximum, the more stress you put on. So if I throw 96 and you throw 96, but I can throw 100 and you can only throw 98, you're putting more stress on your arm. Uh, and the last thing is that breaking balls had a little bit less stress on the elbow, but if you adjusted for velo, they have more stress. So it's possible that DeGrom's 93-mile-an-hour slider is the most stressful pitch in the game because nobody else is really – there's not that many other people throwing 93-mile-an-hour sliders. Um, and so that's – he put a lot of stress on that elbow over time with the way he pitched. Lincecum was a little bit different, but that long jump that he made – uh, that 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 long stride that he had, I do think that that had uh, some made some issues for his hip, um, and you know ultimately some of the injuries that I think uh, you know led to you know the shortness of the career. Uh, so I think in both cases, I'm not you know a mechanics guru that thinks that you know the inverted W or this or that or this all leads to injury, but you know there's some research behind you know some aspects of the way they pitched leading to their short careers. That is great stuff. Eno, thank you so much for the time as always. Play that man, his sponsor. The Eno Sarah <laughs> Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Eno, thanks, right, man. Guys. Thanks, Eno. Yeah. The great Eno Saris. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 